0: we Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Conversations with Leaders. I'm Sam. Inspiration is one of the best ways to transform. Conversation with Leaders is a bi-weekly interview with industry key players, CEOs, financial authors, and professional money managers worldwide. Get valuable insights from people who've seen it all. Please remember that this podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes. Stay tuned for additional disclosures at the end of today's episode. Now, let's get started hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of conversations with leaders my name is sam north a market analyst here at Etoro, and i'm happy to be your host today as we start 2024 other than where our interest rates going or who will win the elections a main focus of investors and traders will be on just how beneficial is the Bitcoin ETF for the crypto and financial world. Raul Powell joins us today to discuss it all. He is the co-founder and CEO of Real Vision, a popular disruptive financial media brand, as well as the founder and co-founder of many other successful companies. Raul, it's great to have you with us today. How are you doing? Um, fabulous, Sam. Great to be here. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. This is our first uh, Conversations with Leaders episodes of the New Year. So it's great to have you on and to discuss a few things around crypto and Bitcoin and and macro. I feel like you're the perfect guest for us. Uh, We're recording this uh, in the the second week of January. So a lot of people in the crypto world will be aware of the ETF and the potential approval. How do you feel about that and the potential impact it could have on the bitcoin price in the short term and the long term
1: so look i think it's it'll happen even by the time that this is edited now it probably will have happened so here's the mental framework i have for this i've got two frameworks of how i think about it firstly we've been building this new digital world this parallel kind of financial system let's call it crypto land and then we've got fiat world which is the existing world that we live in Most of the world's liquidity and money exists in Fiat land because it's much bigger than crypto world, uh, crypto land. Now, what this ETF is, is basically a trade deal between these two countries. So people in, in Fiat world can now go and invest in this new country easily. And so what it's then is a factor of like with all trade deals is, will my return on capital be higher? By investing in this emerging market versus in my domestic economy. Now, if we look at last year's price performance uh, and typical annualized price performance of crypto over time, taking into account it has huge cycles, you know, the Bitcoin um, economy grows at kind of 100% a year. So, of which case, there'll be a lot of money coming from fiat world into crypto land. Another way of thinking about this is. Okay, that's great. So it's likely to attract a lot of assets over this cycle, and a lot of assets will wash out when suddenly the returns aren't as good anymore. So we will see that. The other way you can think about it is we are IPOing Bitcoin, mm. and we've all been seed investors, or series A, series B, series C investors, and we're now about to go to the big stage. And you know, many of us are kind of used to recent years where generally speaking, IPOs haven't done great but this is early cycle there's not much investment in this space yet from from um, fiat world so the chances are we're going to attract a lot of assets so short term don't really know it's not really my area of interest yeah. what my area of interest is is could this attract 10 billion 50 billion over time of new capital into this emerging market of crypto land, and the probability is pretty high, because you know a lot of people are looking for higher returns, higher return opportunities. You can see it by the amount of activity that goes on on platforms like Etoro um, in things like Tesla and other technology stocks, right People are searching out the risk curve because a lot of people are 401k investors in the US, so they invest in their pension, but then they also like to have other assets that maybe have a different risk-reward profile. So over time, I think it's very, very positive. It just opens up to more people. Those those of us who've been in crypto a long time know how difficult and painful it is to open a wallet, execute your own trades, do all this thing, think about self-custody. Now, platforms like eToro have really helped people on board and get comfortable with this, but this makes it even easier.
0: Yeah, I I, I guess in a way... Some people might think it's the perfect storm for Bitcoin at the moment. Would you agree with that? You've got the sort of the impact Uh, that the halving will have on the supply and obviously this ETF approval on demand. Do you feel like it is just like the perfect time for this all for the long term going forward anyway?
1: Yeah. So there is a macro cycle, something I call the everything code that started back in 2008 when every (laughs) single major government reset interest rates to zero. It was kind of like a debt jubilee, like you don't need to pay the interest, guys. We know there's too much debt in this world. (laughs) Every government reset all of the debts to this three to five-year period. And what's created is this perfect four-year cyclicality. Now, Bitcoin was born at the beginning of that, and it follows exactly the same four-year cycle, which happens to be exactly the same as the presidential cycle. So there's this kind of Massive cycle that goes on, and usually this period is what we call macro spring transitioning to macro summer, and that's crypto spring, crypto summer. They're all driven by the same macro factors, which is global growth is slow. In some countries like Europe or China, it's really slow. Mm -hmm. Inflation is falling, and so... And then we're going to an election. So the chances are, is more stimulus and interest rates are likely to be cut. That unleashes liquidity and liquidity sloshes through markets. So the Bitcoin halving is just part of this same cycle. That cycle is the liquidity cycle, which is the big macro economic cycle. And so this Bitcoin ETF is coming exactly, as you suggest, at the right point for all of these things. And if it plays out like it has done in the past, and there's no guarantees of that, then generally speaking, you will start to attract a lot of new capital into the space. That's always been the case. So currently in crypto, there's 516 million wallets, mm-hmm. but they just grow at about 100% a year. So if that's right, we'll grow by another 500 million wallets, somewhere between 2024 and 2025. Um, and that's a lot of new capital. So I think that it's a very big deal. It's come at exactly the right time. And then the market will start focusing on the ETH ETF. Yeah. Which you know by all accounts seems like there's a reasonable probability that's gonna come. Um, and so you'll find that the liquidity comes into Bitcoin, it'll flow towards ETH, flow towards other assets, and that liquidity spreads out. And you get what's known as alt season, which is mm-hmm. where it starts off in crypto spring, where Bitcoin is the outperformer. It's like the safe assets, like beginning of macro spring, treasuries outperform. Yeah. And then what happens is people get more confident, they make a bit of money, and it starts moving out the risk curve. And people in traditional markets will go from from um, treasuries to corporate credit to junk bonds, to emerging market junk, to private sector lending at the end of it. And then they all get caught out when the cycle turns. <laughs> the same is in crypto. Altcoin season is the risk taking season. And we're coming into that. That usually coincides around that halving point. Um, and so that's when it becomes silly season in crypto and people start to lose their heads.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's just play devil's advocate then, because I mean, it does seem like we were just saying there, it seems like the perfect storm. But what, what do you think? Do you think the days have gone of like the big moves lower like we saw over the last few years, even when, you know, CME futures uh, were brought in and it sort of marked the top? Do you, do, you, do you think there's anything to suggest that over the next couple of years there could be a tough time for crypto?
1: No, I, I don't see that. But there's always a probability, right? Yeah. But the thing that people forget, it's a volatile asset class. Yeah, yeah. And in every bull market, you will have thirty-five percent pullbacks as normal, mm-hmm. and that's a lot for any normal traditional market, and that catches a lot of people off guard. Which is why you need to think about how you size your positions and your time horizon. Um, but we will have that. We'll have a have a, we'll have a whole period of three months where it goes sideways. You know, it falls thirty-five percent, trade sideways. Everyone gets bored. Nobody understands it. You know, maybe the Nasdaq's it, ripping higher. Everyone's getting really angry, and then. Liquidity seeps back in, and before you know it, it's off to the races. So, you've got to prepare yourself for the unexpected. You've got to prepare yourself for volatility. Um, you know, there is no such thing as free money. Um, mm. And even though the probability is that the macro cycle is in your favor, you know, you've always got to keep a, your eye on on the risk that you're taking.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's, I guess it all comes down to understanding what you're trading or investing in. Um, the last two ball runs that we've had brought us icos uh, and nfts these these sort of big trends at the time what do you what do you reckon could be the next trend uh for the crypto bull run that we might be in and, and also on that do you reckon nfts are dead forever or, or they're going to make a comeback
1: so how i think about this is i've coined it the everything everywhere all at once cycle so most of the key technologies have been in place for a while now yeah um in terms of the applications layer but it's the it's the adoption of the applications layer the adoption of nfts by giant corporate brands um, the adoption of blockchain rails for a whole bunch of different things from traditional finance of putting you know equities or derivatives or whatever on chain i think that is coming i think we're going to see with stuff like solana being able to create a million nfts for 100 dollars well mm. that means Ticketing or any high-frequency contractual stuff can happen. We're seeing Visa build on top of that. We're seeing massive speed increases again in Solana, where we've got Fire Dancer that has a million TPS. So that means high-frequency trading can happen. So you know, new centralized exchanges and the rails for the finance system. Okay, that can go on chain. We're seeing large corporate brands building um, using NFTs and other Web three technologies. we're seeing the adoption via RAAs and the ETFs and other things. Um, so we're seeing a lot in the space. Um, and I think that continues. I think the other thing we all see is gaming. Yeah. We've all been waiting for the gaming gaming to meet Web3, and we're seeing quite a lot of evidence that that is on its way. We've got um, blockchain meets AI for authentication of who we are. We're about Mm. to go into an election in the US. And in fact, we're going through like 60 elections around the world. (laughs) We've never gone through an election with AI. And the deep fakes driven by AI will mean you can't trust anything you see in the wild. Yes, you're on the eToro platform watching something. Well, it's authenticated by eToro. You go outside. You don't know whether an interview you're watching of you and me is actually the real interview. So I could be saying crazy things and everyone thinks, well, this was a real interview, right? This is a huge problem. How do we authenticate who humans are? How do we authenticate content? And I think blockchain is part of that. So I see, you know, I see the opportunity for that as well. In terms of NFTs themselves, we're going to see a lot more use cases come. Mm. It's not just about your monkey JPEGs, but NFTs at the high quality asset side, you know, we're talking about Deeple or Xcopy and these kind of famous artists that that are very expensive. This thing trades exactly like assets do in fiat world. So in fiat world right now we've just but it, the economy's slow and the assets that require disposable income, trophy assets, lag because nobody's got any money yet. Mm. And so if you look at the price of Ro- Rolexes. You look at the price of wine, you look at the price of used cars, look at the price of art, it's all been going down yeah. because nobody's got any real money yet. Yes, the stock market's gone to new highs, but most people haven't participated. Everyone's businesses are still a bit slower than they want them to be, etc. It's exactly the same with ETFs, uh, with um, NFTs. NFTs lag the price because really they start taking off when the price goes to Back to all time highs. And people are like, oh look, I've got money. I want to go and buy a a crypto punk. Um because (laughs) I've got one in the background, because it's a social signaling status. It's a luxury good in crypto land, much like a Rolex watch is a luxury good in Fiat World. So I just think it's lagged, and you know, I think prices have started stabilizing a lot of the NFT market. A lot of it will go to zero. Mm. But out of the uh, you know ashes, we will find diamonds in that dust. Um, and I think you know there's a lot. You know, that, it's only gone through one cycle ever, so yeah. we need to figure it out. But yeah, I'm very bullish NFTs, the right ones.
0: Yeah, and and I guess it's it shows the importance of of diversification, even just in NFTs, but the crypto world itself. You can never be. 100% sure that any asset is only going to go in the direction that you want um I mean are there any particular crypto assets that you think are relatively unknown now that in a few years time are going to be the next Solana or you know even the next yeah, Ethereum or Bitcoin?
1: I, I tend to shy away from talking about stuff like that because yeah. people accuse you of shilling <laughs> stuff yeah. And if it's small and illiquid, they say, see, he's pumping his bags. He's trying to do this. So I just don't talk about it. So, you know, I talk a lot about Bitcoin, ETH, Solana, some of the major token plays, but I tend not to talk about any of the smaller stuff. And my own portfolio allocation tends to be 90% in the majors, in you know, core holdings. And 10% is my degen bag of stuff that could 100x, but most likely goes to zero. Um, So that way I can manage my exposure, I can still have fun, I can still FOMO, but without messing the whole thing up, which is what people tend to do, because they tend to go, I'm going to sell my ETH, it's not going anywhere, and I'm going to go and buy this, what I think is going to be this 100x AI token, and it doesn't get traction, ETH explodes higher and you're left thinking, what the hell did I just do? And people have just got to avoid
0: doing that. Yeah, and one hundred percent. I think it's such a good point. And and if you do mention a, a specific crypto asset, people will in five years time definitely bring it up again, won't they? That's just the what people do. do. Do you? Sorry, were you about to say something?
1: No, it's exactly the case. So you know, because I've got quite a large public following now, I just yeah. can't. I just you can't do it.
0: People no. can't have nice things. No, they can't. They can't. <laughs> on on the diversification, do you find? By doing it the way you just explained, psychologically, it's just a lot easier to to hold for, you know, a a, a longer period of time.
1: Uh, Yes, a lot. Because Mm -hmm. you're not worrying about the every up and down. Yes, I've got the hourly chart next to me, but really what I care about is the weekly and monthly chart.
0: Yeah, longer term.
1: And so I don't really think about it. I don't use leverage, Mm -hmm. so I can't be washed out. I self-custody my assets, and I don't worry and so that's much better and i use the economic cycle as opposed to some fomo on twitter and just stick with it you know these cycles tend to be 3 years i mean bitcoin since it since its inception has been the best performing asset 3 out of 4 years and the worst performing one out of 4 years yeah like yeah. clockwork and i'm like yeah that kind of makes sense will it perfectly repeat every time who the hell knows but That gives you a framework of understanding of the time horizon you need to trade the cycle. They tend to be three years. Now, you could be like me and try and look through the cycles and say, I don't care Mm. about the cycle because I'm looking for the five or 10 year bet. Yeah. Okay. You can do that too. And then you change your style to, well, when we do get the inevitable cyclical bear market that comes and prices fall 75, 80%, you add to your positions. And then what you do is end up compounding returns over a longer cycle. And that works in technology stock. Anything in a secular bull market, technology stocks, the Indian stock market, whatever it may be, it mm. works. Doesn't work in cyclical stuff, really. Yes, you can get there, but, you know, really you need a secular bull market. And and technology and crypto are both secular.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, we're look, I guess we're half the way there really. But what do you think is the main hurdle for sort of mass adoption uh of crypto and, and how do you think we can I think solve I mean DTF obviously helps massively.
1: The mass adoption of crypto I think is is just an ongoing thing, right? Mm. How long did it take before, you know, I use the internet versus the early adopters and stuff like that, right? There's a spread of years and knowledge and but the other thing is the applications layer is still pretty crappy in crypto. We shouldn't care what chain we're using. Like, I don't care what mobile phone or what Wi-Fi you're on or what internet connection, what computer you're on, right? That's interoperability. And I think all we care about is we're using Riverside here to film. That's the application that we care about. All the technology underlying it, we don't care. But we're still so early in crypto that we care. Um, But that, that will change with better
0: UX and applications. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, how early do you think we are in crypto? I mean, I spoke to someone about just a couple of years ago, it's actually a, a CEO uh, of, a, of a cannabis company. And they were saying cannabis, they think is like in the first quarter of an American football game, there's still a long way to go all the regulation, etc, etc, etc. Do you think crypto in this this journey that it's on, we're still in like the warm up phase? And like, in 10 years time, we're going to look back and think, wow, we've come so far.
1: Um, I think that is the case, but don't forget, it is the fastest adoption of any technology yeah. the world has ever seen, except AI, which has now gone faster. So yeah. this is immensely fast. We're at 516 million active wallets around the world. Don't forget, we've got governments bringing central bank digital currencies on yeah. blockchain rails. We've got you know all the investment banks, we've got Visa building on it. We're seeing so many activities that, as I said, before we know it, by the end of this cycle, we're a billion dollars a billion and a half, two billion. And then if you keep compounding, you know, you get to that kind of internet adoption level where everyone on the internet uses blockchain rails. And that happens by 2030. So the returns over time become less because when you go from the first 10 people to the first thousand people or the first million people, that return that you get is, is large. But over time... To go from 1 billion to 4 billion is only four times as many people. Now, obviously, the adoption and the use of the technology will drive prices higher over time, but you know, you don't you can't forward expect the the massive returns that we had of the past. We'll still have great returns because technology investing historically has good returns because they're in secular trends
0: yeah i mean just just you mentioned their ai and, and the adoption of that has been insane it really has and i think everyone has at least heard of chat gpt for example um how do you think ai can be integrated into the the crypto ecosystem
1: so firstly it's the desperate need for id i mean it's really interesting to see how the market has kind of a ignored WorldCoin, which was set up by Sam Altman for exactly this. He's like, I know what I'm building in open AI and we're going to need global digital ID. Yeah, market's like, I'm not having my eyeballs scanned. <laughs> um, but I think they will come to realize um, that we're going to need authentication at scale for humanity and this election is going to drive it through. So that's one of the points of AI. We're also seeing kind of dist- distributed AI um stuff, we're seeing distributed compute, we're seeing, you know, I've been exploring of, you know, some of these AI models because we're going to get into that fight between regulations, governments, AI, you know, what can blockchain be used for to secure a permanency around some of this code that, you know, could it be inscribed on on a blockchain? Does that give it particular set of benefits? Does it make it more um censorship proof because the last thing we all want is a overpowering ai that it controls the world <laughs> based on how the government see the world
0: yeah sounds like a good film though um on uh on yeah. on blockchain how do you think companies can sort of you know leverage that technology to you know optimize their business keep keep on growing and, and is it a case of companies are going to have to get on board if they're not already
1: yeah i, I do think that's the case i mean in a digital world this is the way that digital value is exchanged stored etc it's also where contracts all contracts are going now almost every single part of what humanity does to organize itself is driven by contracts mm. social contracts like i had a contract to come here it was an email but it was yeah. a it was a written you know contract between us yes you know i'm going to appear at that sort of time blah 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 everything we do is a contract so a lot of this can go on chain. So that becomes very interesting because everything becomes provable. Um, but they're also using it for logistics and supply management. And that's really interesting. Um, very interesting, like um, I spoke to a large family office in Australia who owns one of the largest distilleries and distributors in Australia for spirits. Mm-hmm and they sell a lot into China. And they're like, we're experimenting with NFTs to see whether we can make NFTs of inventory to allow these giant Chinese hotel chains to be able to order inventory and then manage it in a dynamic real-time basis and then offload it if they've got too little or buy if they need more. So it makes inventory management much faster than shipping, calling up the supplier saying, I need to get another five thousand cases of rum sent over, you know, that kind of stuff. So I think there's a lot that'll be done uh supply chains um on blockchain as well. So we're also seeing brands use it for loyalty. And I think this is a big breakthrough. You know, the cultural value of brands is hugely powerful. Whether it's Disney, whether it's Nike, whether it's you know, all sorts of people, Formula One teams, sports teams, music stars, right? These people have cultural value in an excess of their actual valuations. And I think there's a lot to be done of using tokenization and NFTs and Web3 principles to be able to govern those communities, offer loyalty points that don't devalue, that are exchangeable, um, all sorts of stuff. And we're seeing a Starbucks experimenting with on-chain loyalty points. And I think we will see airlines do it. I think we'll see hotels do it. I think we'll see a lot move to this technology. It just makes sense. It's much cheaper to manage, easier to manage. It it creates more trust, and it and it creates a lack of middlemen between the consumer and the brand.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think sport is going to go that way, isn't it? For, for sure. Yeah. Um, th- thoughts on, on the metaverse? You, you, you're a big fan? I think the metaverse
1: is everywhere all around us and people just expecting some sort of snow crashed moment where suddenly we're all living in this one big simulation, but it's not. I mean, look at here's you in London. Here's me in the Cayman Islands speaking digitally. This is not ourselves. This is the digital rendition of (laughs) Sam and of Raul. We're doing it on computers. We spend all our days speaking to people digitally now, not physically. You know, we're using our mobile phones seamlessly with everything else and then we're going to start to have ar and that's february the 2nd i think is apple's ar glasses launch and that creates an integration between the physical world and the digital world where you know things become increasingly exchangeable in terms of experiences what we do how we think about things um and within those worlds the metaverse you know if you're going to a more digital world then digital assets need to have scarcity In a digital world, basically anything can go to zero in value because you can make infinite amounts of anything. Yeah, Yeah, we've seen it with cloud compute. We've seen it with internet service providers. We've seen it with everything, right? Basically it goes to zero. So if you have such a deflationary economy, it's impossible to run a digital economy. But if you think about what blockchains and NFTs do, they create digital um, scarcity in a world of infinite supply. So now you can anchor value. So that becomes an extremely interesting concept as well. Yeah,
0: no, absolutely. Uh, our, our final and question. You need
1: that if we live more in the metaverse, right? We just need yeah. digital goods to have value in the metaverse. So yeah, the metaverse, answer your question, is coming. It's coming everywhere from gaming to just experiences like we've got today to um, how we live more and more and more percentage of our lives digitally to the AR glasses, yeah. to full VR, to hologram. It's all happening all at once and it's all going to merge into this digital future
0: yeah i mean I'm, I'm really excited about the day where i can put on a headset and be you know front row at the super bowl or the nba finals or the world cup in america in 2026 i mean sign me up for that seriously i think it'd be yeah and to sit next incredible. to your mate and see him yeah so yeah, you can have I a mean,
1: conversation
0: incredible and, and like for, for me to say go out to the uh super bowl in vegas this year you know flights if you wanted to fly half decent you're looking at five six seven grand and then the ticket you won't get for love no money now if you can do it in the metaverse for say 50 quid 100 quid no brainer and and to have the experience of sitting there literally as if you're in the stadium i think that would be it's remarkable right
1: and we saw you know we've seen that big dome in vegas yeah and you saw that u2 concert right and that is like AR is yeah. you are living in a metaversal experience of physical and digital, and they're seamless. And it's like you can't get your head around it. You know, that's where we're going.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want to, um, like, wish away time, but in five, ten years, it's just going to be a remarkable I mean, place. It really is.
1: I, I was at Coachella yeah. when oh, the hologram. hologram came on. Oh. With Snoop Dogg, with Dr. Dre, with Eminem, oh. all of that, and we couldn't tell. Yeah, <laughs> from from the distance we were from the stage, you couldn't tell it wasn't a person. And Abba have just been on tour as yeah, holograms. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. so yeah. the world is changing fast. Yeah, I reckon there have been a few people at that festival that generally did think it was real. Um, <laughs> uh, last question uh, <laughs> on the on the on the podcast webinar today for for those that are maybe a bit skeptical for those that haven't dipped their feet in, or for those that are really interested in and, and it's just sort of learning about the crypto world? Why do you reckon it has a place in, in someone's uh, investment portfolio?
1: At a very simple level, the world is getting more digital every single day. I, I put a poll out on Twitter and I asked people, because I know a lot of people are cynical about some of this stuff and technology investing, yeah. but I asked them a simple question. It's like, is the world going to be more digital in five years' time, less or the same? 96% of people said more digital that is the trend we're playing here will money become more digital will value become more digital will contracts go digital yes is it will it become more efficient over time by using blockchain rails versus like t plus 3 settlements for equities and stuff yes will people move towards more ai more self driving cars more technology yes so in which case That sounds like a secular trend to me. So I know people are uncomfortable with societal change at the speed it's happening. Uncomfortable moving from an old system to a new system. And I get it. But that's your own psychology. Mm. And if you're not careful, you'll miss the big trends that are happening in front of your eyes because your emotions hold you back. And how I've learned to deal with that is just have a small allocation yeah and it's kind of changes your mentality because once you do it's on your screen you start thinking about it you start understanding it you start reading the tweets about it you start reading an article about it and before you know you understand it more and more and more so just to have a bit of it helps massively it helps you get over your own cynicisms or fears of the future where where is my place in the future and i i say this a lot with this exponential age theme about ai and technologies and how they're all combining blockchain being part of it into this kind of ridiculous exponential world. And people are terrified. We're, none of us know where it's going to go. So I said, well, you might as well make money from it, from your yeah. own demise. If the robots are going to take over the world and the AI, you might as well make <laughs> some money from it first. So then when they do take over the world, you can sit there smoking cigars and a glass of champagne watching watching it all happen. But the, the, the point again is the same it's like if you make a small investment it takes that fear away because now you you're actually involved in it and you get to understand it and you know hopefully if the trends continue you make money from it as well and you make money from your fears that's kind of nice most people do that by buying puts but in <laughs> this it's actually buying the calls
0: Yeah, yeah, I absolutely love that. And and, I just wrote this down, actually, because I think it was that good for people to think about what is my place in the future. I think that's unbelievably good advice. Uh, And that brings us to the end, Raul. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Not at all. It's great to be here.
0: You have been listening to Digest and Invest by eToro. For more information, use eToro.com.